Hi, I'm Bill Farmer. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast. Gorge. <laughs> This is the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 36, Howl's Moving Castle, or The Beast's Moving Batcave. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. Don't forget Miyazaki. And Miyazaki! <laughs> My name is Chelsea Robson. I'm Morgan Stradling. And I'm Christian Bale. <laughs> I'm not really. And I'm Mason Smith. I did like him in this movie. Like, his he, voice. I was like, oh, that nice. was good. Yeah, you know, I thought, yeah. He played a pretty boy, which was not the typical. No, not at all. What? You don't think Bruce Wayne's a pretty boy? Mm, no. I mean, like, he's good looking, but not, like, in the way that Hal is, like, so obsessed with his looks. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Good voice. <laughs> so, how was your week? Oh man, it's been good. Like, semester's winding down at AM. I think I'm finding my niche. And uh, we're working on this really cool final project where we're sculpting these giant statues that are like five, six feet. And we have like a theme, and it's a group project. And so, we're kind of making like teams or like families of sculptures. Uh huh. I got in a group that was like mechanical slash industrial. And so we're making a kind of Power Rangers Ginyu Force type of like fighting robots team. Nice. So yeah, we had to like build these frames out of wood and we're like paper macheing around it and like adding stuff. So it's kind of cool. Is your team getting along? Because I'm watching Project Runway all uh, Project Runway. <laughs> oh my gosh! Teams. It's a team edition, and usually when they put the creative types together, they have to work in a team. It's yeah. just a disaster. And oh, I see. So an already stressful show, and let's throw a team, like a uh, group mentality yes. into it. And these, <laughs> so these are like very shenanigans. Well, they're very individualistic people. Like yeah. they want to be the designer, they want to be number one, and then it's like, no, you have to work with a buddy. Oh no, <laughs> a buddy. So I don't know. Just whenever I imagine like art people and do teams, you like, have your fashion buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, actually, we're getting along pretty well because it's a lot of freshmen, so they haven't like lost their souls in the whole like studio art studio atmosphere yet <laughs> good to know um, and you yeah, already so it's been really good you already marked your territory as top alpha right obviously yes i marked my territory on everyone yes perfect <laughs> <laughs> there's no stopping it um, but yeah um oh my god i don't know i kind of see myself as like a wise old rafiki figure you know i'm old i'm married and uh well, that changes you know, everything i'm, I'm wise I'm like, mm, when 24 years old, you reach, look as good, you will not. <laughs> you know, and they're like, I can do this final project. I'm not afraid. And I'm like, you will be. You will be. Anyway. Um, cool. Nice. Yeah, my semester is winding down, too. We're nice. Last week of April is our classes. And I'm you know, like, we say winding down, but it, it really gets worse. And, uh, like, yeah, stressful. winding up, actually. It's so been, we're it's actually been winding up for the end of the semester. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to spin out of control. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. a top. <laughs> mayday, mayday. Did you stinger? Well, um, I just want to tell you guys um, what have I been watching, or what I have been watching. Um, I went and saw Jurassic Park 3D Ooh, me in too. theaters last week. 
Hold on to your butts. One, I just like how um, they're freaking out about interactive CD-ROMs in the Jeeps. Oh. <laughs> Everybody in the theater was like, what's a CD-ROM? Uh-uh-uh. He didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh. But um, I just want to say something. Maybe it's because I'm just so in love with this film, but I really, it really doesn't show his a- its age. No. You know, there are movies that were made after that, 10 years after that, that already show their age. Yeah, they did a really good go back, job. Go back and watch like Van Helsing or like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and you'll be like, Shutter. please. Shudder. Shudder. But yeah, um, I'm just so impressed that uh, Spielberg made the inspired decision uh, to allow these magnificent beasts to be fully rendered in CGI. <laughs> and um, so it was great to see it in HD, widescreen, and 3D. Uh, All right, let's go to the news. News, Chelsea? Let's go to the news. Yay. know that there's gonna be another finding nemo oh yes oh yes we've talked it's called it's finding nemo 2 right yeah where he finds himself well he (laughs) finds himself yes (laughs) he's like we talked about this on a previous episode funny joke go back and find it (laughs) funny seriously it's funny okay yeah but now they actually put a real name to it and this one is going to be finding dory (laughs) so in November, we are often trying to find a forgetful fish. It's going to be a forgetful fish. <laughs> a forgetful fish. Well, of any an people awesome to lose their picture. way. I mean, we joked about them finding Marlin, and right. he was going to have to have Alzheimer's, and he'd like float away from the, from the fish um, retirement center, right? <laughs> but oh, it's uh, my dad. Dory he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> So Ellen DeGeneres finally got her wish because she has been clamoring for years and years yeah. and years. Like anytime there's a sequel, she's always jealous. So mm-hmm. you got your movie, Ellen. Yeah. It's too bad you're going to be missing for half of it. So sad. No, but it's going to be like Finding Nemo where yeah. we like cut out, cut back to like what Nemo's actually doing and right, right. whatnot. So. Well, I think that they'll actually put her as more of a central role in this one because. Oh, no. No? Well, I just think of what they did in Cars 2, and they did that with Mater. Oh. And that was... I just, yeah. I just shudder. I'm like, yeah. yeah what are they gonna secondary, do? please. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They should definitely strap weapons to the fish, you know? And there should be a lot of fish espionage. You know, because there's old, crappy fish who, uh, who want to steal all the fish parts from all the other fish. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> I, hey, speaking of espionage, I think this should have been... The movie should have been called Finding Coral. And so it'd be like 20 years later, then like some new evidence surfaced about coral, sort of like um, the girl with the dragon tattoo, where they have to solve the mystery that happened years and years before. And so they're going to go back and find the mystery of like, what really happened to coral? Did she really die? And then they'll discover like, no, she didn't really die. She actually was, you know, insert something crazy here. That'd be sweet. Well, the thing is, is that she's like really crazy, you know, just like that movie, (laughs) the the girl who flew over the cuckoo's nest or whatever. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that's how it should be so but, as you can tell this is how we care this is we care so much about finding dory we're thinking of other storylines that should I know, there's, been. there's probably there, you know, there's probably a bunch of pixar hardcore pixar fans who are like twirling their mustaches in rage right now being like how dare they <laughs> i don't know i just think like well, everybody knows there should be an incredibles too but um uh, people in my studio are, are kind of 
upset about this too because they're like, oh great, now every Pixar film now is a sequel. And I, and like we discussed in the you know on the on the discussions on the Facebook page, they're not just releasing all sequels. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to fend off all my fellow studio members who, who've been arguing that, but um, just remember, folks. Pixar is still looking for original stories. Um, they're just going to do sequels because you know they're, they're still a, a corporation. You know they still have producers and, and and CEOs to please and whatever. And and Fine Nemo is an extraordinarily popular Pixar film. I mean, I'm no marketing expert, but um, I give I you permission to state your opinion. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Thank you, Morgan. I didn't even have to ask you that. You you knew right away that you were the the giver of marketing. <laughs> Marketing privileges. I, I give marketing knowledge to others, but you are allowed at this moment in time. I dub the temporary marketing. Well, I, I thank thee for this dubbing. Guru number one. Thou art welcome. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of makes sense, you know. I no, I mean, too. Come on. Yeah, totally. Can't hold it against him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to get on Disney Infinity and just role play my own Incredibles 2 with a bunch of buddies of mine, form like a guild. And uh, that's how I'm going to play it out. Nice. Have fun with that. Is there, a, is there an Incredibles uh, universe in Kingdom Hearts, or do they not go uh, into No, not yet. But maybe that's Disney's, like, market testing through Disney Infinity. They're going to, like, try to figure out the best storylines that people are no, coming no, 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 with. No, Disney marketing is shutting down LucasArts, which was the video, the interactive, you know, media branch of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Shut down all their awesome projects. <clears throat> 1313. And um, if they put a Star Wars planet on the next Kingdom Hearts game, I'm going to revolt. I'm going to go rogue like Jack Bauer and just get all get all crazy. I like it. Anyway, that's just my rant about uh, Disney uh, recently shutting down LucasArts. I'm sure they're going to like transfer some projects to their to their own gaming company, Disney Interactive. But um, I'm still a little upset about that. So the next story is Monsters University accidentally sent. A, an alumni newsletter to a human by a mistake. And by human, we mean Morgan. Yes, that human <laughs> was me. Yeah. Wow, you are so lucky. Yeah, I don't know how Monsters University got my address, but they sent me this. Well, news- they certainly can get in your closet. Well, so that's, Monsters Court, that's true. They just went in my closet and they just uh, found my address lying Great. on a piece of paper on the table. Great so Sandy. this is actually reckless, really cool because so. I wasn't expecting anything. So I get this this package in the mail. And it says Morgan Stradling. It's from the Monsters University School of Scaring. And it's an alumni newsletter. You know, there's a letter from the dean, Abigail Hardscrabble, who's the dean of the school right now. And she, she was basically saying, like, yes, like, be, be proud of who you are and your heritage as a scarer. You're the best, you know, and we're number one, you know, trying to, like, pump you up. And then also, like, please also remember your heritage and donate money to us. You know, <laughs> very typical alumni fashion. Right. Then there was also an alumni newsletter, which was a four page color spread promoting that they were again ranked number one for the 143rd consecutive year in the category of scaring. Uh. Uh, really funny, really nice, high quality stuff. And then Very high achievement. I got um, an MU alumni bumper sticker and then sort of a, a reply mail card that I could send, you know, letting them know that I'm continuing to support the school. Like the cool thing about this was on that piece of paper, it had a website like, oh, for more information about alumni events, go to this website. So I went to the website and when I did, there was a like a big red banner. It said, attention. There has been a distribution error in the latest mailing of the MU School of Scaring alumni newsletter. If you've received the letter and are arriving at this page, please destroy and dispose of the contents and leave this page immediately. So I really thought that was pretty clever of Pixar. Yeah. They're, they're making it seem like, oh my gosh, it, they got sent out to humans by mistake. 
you know, and if you're here, just destroy it, which I, just so you know, I did not destroy my letter. I oh, oh, good. <laughs> They're going to be sneaking into your closet. It again. may disappear soon, huh? Yeah, but it was just a really clever, um, like viral marketing campaign that they did. There were some other people that got sent this. Unfortunately, I didn't get sent my um, invitation to freshman orientation, um, which essentially is Pixar blogger day where they fly you out and you go to the studio and yeah, we didn't, we are apparently not cool enough to get Dang. that, but at least I accidentally got an alumni newsletter, which was oh, pretty, yeah. pretty neat. So pretty cool marketing that they're doing. They always find a cool edge and spin to put on all their stuff. <laughs> yeah, seriously, this like campaign of theirs, this like viral campaign is like really elaborate and really well thought out. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. Wait, side note, how did they know who, whose sites are big enough to be sent freshman orientation? I don't know. The other people who got sent were like coupon bloggers and mommy bloggers, which that makes sense. They're trying yeah. to expand it to a different audience. Like right. if they're going to just invite a whole bunch of Pixar bloggers, like that's not really the point because all the people who read those blogs are going to see the movie anyway. Right. You know, well, so, how about inviting entertainment empire moguls like us? Exactly. That's uh, what... moguls. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> moguls. <laughs> <laughs> We could be our own monster, the moguls. Exactly. See, we're the rotoscoper monster. We could sneak in. To ro- Maybe oh, that's why they thought we were, um, you know, an alum. Because- yeah. yeah, I'll work up a character design for that. Oh, please do. That'd be so yeah. awesome. We'll send it to Pixar. <laughs> hey, we- I'm sure we can find an address somewhere to send No, no, no. no. It's, it's like when you send letters to Santa Claus, you just put Santa Claus, the North Pole. And then, so on the envelope, we'll just put Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> Emeryville, California. okay so the last news story is the frozen track list was leaked supposedly i mean it's really like sketchy the website that came from was like this um facebook fan page or profile called score listen and it was created like 12 hours before the post was created so it's like this i don't know the we did a little poll on the website like do you think this is real or do you think this is fake and uh we have 20 votes for fake 18 for not sure and five for real so um i don't know like it's just very suspicious like so there's apparently 26 songs this includes the songs and the score but the the ones that really kind of put the big question mark are song titles like Froze the coronation, exclamation point. Yeah. Olaf can skate it. And we're no cold. We're no that's where, cold. That's where it's, I don't know. And, and then very, you know how they always have like a, a more contemporary singer sing during the credits. Uh, yeah, they have a song called Love You That Way by Avril Lavigne. And I'm like, really? That's not, is this, this isn't this real. Isn't, this isn't 2003. This is 2013. She's still coming out with stuff, though. I know, but isn't there someone like... More I know relevant. and I'm angry about that. <laughs> yeah, we got. Hey, yeah, I like uh, Avril. She's got. You know, they're really stuff. banking on the cold theme here. I, I see "Cold Shoulder" by Adele, "Stone Cold Crazy" by Queen, "Cold Cold Heart" by Hank Williams. I'm just kidding. I'm just reading a blogger thing on songs that have the word "cold" in them. Oh, nice. But yeah, um, well, that's cool that we know like the titles of the songs. If they're real, if they're real, yeah. Yeah, if they're real, I, like I don't understand what kind of power this gives people over other people who don't know the track list. It kind of spoils the plot, but not really. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, the only legitimate song on there is song number four, not Elsa's song, just Elsa's song. <laughs> yeah, performed by Adina Menzel, which we know is the only true song. So, right. eh, whatever. Well, we'll. I have a feeling this will turn out to be fake. But in the meantime, hey, Disney's not giving us any real news. So it's their own fault. People are having to make up fake stories because of this. Shame, shame. 
Shame, shame uh, indeed. Oh, and then at the very bottom, uh, someone else had leaked the concept art of Elsa, oh, but just her head. And so that's the concept art that we had been talking about vaguely, you know, but yeah. we didn't post it. Someone else did. So that's what she looks like if you want to see that. So. She's so pretty. I know. <laughs> From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, the director of the Academy Award-winning Spirited Away. That is ancient sorcery. Quite powerful, too. This summer, experience the epic tale of a young woman transformed by a mysterious curse. That's really me, isn't it? An enchanted moving castle. This is a magic house. And the one wizard powerful enough to set her free. This charm will guarantee your safe return. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli production of a Hayao Miyazaki film. Hold on. This June, journey to amazing new worlds. Aboard Howl's Moving Castle. So, Mason, maybe next time you can do an animation principle. You know what? <laughs> yeah, I really should. Actually, th- there is one principle in, in in general that I want I want to talk about since we're doing a, an anime film. But okay, um, this reminds me. This week in my foundations of visualization class, our professor started the class by saying, "Okay, so now we're going to move on to animation." And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> it, "He was like talking about it," and I was like, "Hermione Granger the whole time." <laughs> a lot of guys in that class want to do like video game design so they're like oh animation i don't even draw do you even draw bro <laughs> and i'm like good sir these animation principles are eternal principles <laughs> by which all moving figures should be based you know that song yes. you know and i'm like and yesterday our professor was like okay today we're going to go over the 12 principles of animation if you want to learn more about them in depth you should really read the book, the Illu- and I'm the illusion of life. I'm like mouthing it with them, the illusion of life, <laughs> Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson, <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, I I don't know if my classmates are annoyed with me, but I like you know I still I still remember all the animation principles that I, they taught me at BYU, you know. Yeah. Those are eternal principles. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. Um, we can talk about timing. Do you remember when we talked about timing with um yes. in. Uh, was it the Iron Giant episode? No, it was it was Rockadoodle. Oh, it was Rockadoodle because nice. I said it, that film didn't have good timing. Right, you totally crashed my <laughs> my favorite movie, man. Oh yeah, so sorry. <laughs> well, maybe it's time you got a new favorite movie. But um, let's see, timing. Um, with our first Miyazaki film, we made a lot of comparisons between Western story and how Miyazaki handled the story in Spirited Away and how he could have done a lot of things like real Western, real Disney, you know, high point, then low point. Then they bring it all back together in this huge climax. And then, uh, you know, animation timing itself is kind of a funny thing. It it has to do with how much time it takes to to complete, you know? Mm -hmm. So how many frames of animation occupy this motion? So, like, if I raise my hand, I I can do it in 40 frames, you know, real slowly, 
I could uh, do it in five frames. I could do it in one frame. Timing has to do with that. And then a second kind of part of timing is how much time is spent transitioning from one action to another. And of course, there's overlapping action and, and secondary action. The dog's walking, but his ears are also bouncing. That's uh, secondary action. But there are some films that they, they move through the actions because they have a plot to, you know, they're like, come on, we got a plot to move along here. But I, I really liked this Miyazaki film. He really takes his time with in his films, like with what happens. It gives the viewer time to contemplate and kind of like take in what's going on. Uh, it kind of goes without saying that Miyazaki films and anime in general, sometimes uh, the unprepared viewer can be thrust into like a completely different world. That's like very foreign and very bizarre and kind of strange. Um, and so I really like this kind of Eastern influence, obviously, because it's anime where uh, characters take their time. They, it's not like they move slowly. It's just that the f- pace and the rhythm of the film is a lot more relaxed uh, in some parts. You know, the whole concept of like reflection and very Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> more on that later. More oh on my that gosh. later. But I just liked the fact that I could sit back and enjoy the film and that Miyazaki took the, the, you know, the direction to just kind of pause so that we can reflect and see what was going on. Admire the awesome artwork, uh, the awesome visuals, because there are some really crazy visuals in this film and uh, really imaginative characters and stuff. And I keep wondering if this was a Western film, if things would, would move a lot quicker, you know, if characters would be a little more snappy and a little more elastic, you know. But uh, what do you what do you all think about that? Do you ever notice that a difference, you know, in timing and like in pacing in characters and in animation? Oh, yeah. The different things that I notice while watching a Miyazaki film. First off, number one is that they don't take time to like work you into the universe. It's just like, bam, welcome to crazy. Uh-huh. Like for a Western film, a lot of times they like take the time to like set the plot, to set the to set the stage, kind of like em- let you embrace this new found world. Like yeah. you don't always yeah. baby steps, baby steps into crazy. Yeah, you know you're right because the film doesn't really have this like narrative intro. You know, where Morgan Freeman comes on and is like, this is the world of Hal. Right. People are at war and there's bombers everywhere, Mr. Yeah, Wayne. You, right. He just assumes that you're smart enough to pick up on it and figure it out. Right. Yeah. They're at war and they're witches and wizards. Yeah, exactly. Accept it. Yeah. And number two is that most of the time you don't start finding your bearings or even liking it until the, like the last 30 minutes of the film. But when you do, you really do like it. You're like, oh, I finally get it. Uh-huh. And I realize it's just a it's a huge test in patience for me. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> I, I understand patience. I just don't practice it very often. So watching a Miyazaki mm-hmm. film definitely does that for me. You know, I bet there were some Western like producers or, you know, visual directors that would have been like, What what's with the kid? Like what's with the the like plain looking boy? Like you can make like a really crazy character, you know? And really animated, but instead they just chose this boy and this, like, flame that talks. Like, that's a really poor choice, so it's a weird, really weird choice. I think these films just kind of make the world so bizarre that you, like, have to take more time to catch up to it. Yeah. Because, like, everything is so foreign. Well, yeah, there's parts where, I mean, they just take, like, yes, they introduce you into the world right away, and then they just spring from there. But then they do it at a slow pace. Like, it takes a long time for the actual, like contention and problem for the you know the protagonist's main problem to arise like we're we don't really figure out what that is 
until later. Like, at first we think it's the witch. Yeah. And it's not really the witch at all. Then we think it's the war. Yeah. And then, and you know, really and, then, that. and then randomly Sophie, Sophie's just sitting there, you know, on the bench, just admiring the flowers. And there's parts where it's very introspective and it like stops the, yeah. the progression for a while, just because there's these long scenes where they're sitting and thinking and observing and just taking it in. So uh, it's a bit more real that way, I guess, rather than bam, 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 bam. And what's what helps it is this theme of aging and yes. uh, the role that elderly play in society and in families. And so you know, there's a part where, where Grandma Sophie's sitting out and she's like, you know what? Now that I'm old, I really just kind of want to I just really just want to stay out here and stare at the scenery all day. Yeah, I've never felt so at peace. Like, oh, it really makes you think, like, yeah. why? Why do old people yeah. love to people watch and just sit at the park and feed the birds? <laughs> I like when the old, like old, old wrinkly witch of the waste is just staring at the fire the whole oh, time. Yeah. He's like yeah. in the fire, <laughs> and, and, um, <laughs> and he's like, "What? This lady's creeping me out. She's always staring at me." Yeah. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever had that, have that happen where an elderly person just stares at you, and you're like, mm, oh. "That's creepy." <laughs> Grandma does it all the time. Yeah. Now we, now we know. Well, Thank funny, you, Miyazaki. I really like this movie because it kind of like put the perspective on being old. Yeah. And like what it will be like. And, you know, Sophie, she has these these kind of insecurities about not being beautiful because she has this mother and this sister who are gorgeous and fashionable and popular. Uh-huh. They're, they're and she's just young. very plain. And she kind of has a little tantrum in the middle where she's like, I've you know, you're you're complaining about your hair and I've never been beautiful, been called beautiful once in my entire life. And, you know, it's kind of like all these emotions have been like stirring up inside her and they come out, you know, because now she clearly is not beautiful. So she runs out and has her little cry. And it, like, really makes you think how fleeting beauty, you know, outer beauty yeah. really is and what it really means in the end. Like, what one day, 50 years from now, guys, like, I hate to break it to you, but we're all going to look like Grandma Sophie. Yeah, I know. Except, well, may, maybe not Mason. But... <laughs> I will stay beautiful forever. <laughs> oh, how? <laughs> so, I don't know. It really got me thinking, like, what really matters. And then, you know, once she did become a grandma... She, those insecurities went away and she was just able to be herself and have a lot yeah. more confidence. Like, yes, she did have sort of the ailments that come with old age, which was unfortunately like, whenever she'd stand up, her back would go, yeah, I don't, I don't. and I'm like, that's what mine does now. So I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those physical ailments aside, I mean, it got you thinking about like how you're perceived it, how we perceive the elderly and how they perceive life. Yeah. Because you talk to people and every 10 years they're like, I still feel young. Like mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm young and I'm not old, even though the younger generation sees me as old. I don't know. So I like this film because it really got like the, the gears thinking yeah, the about these, gears. these concepts and the principles of age and, you know, what am I focusing on right now? And why am I wasting time on being vain? And, um, what should I really focus on? It was surprisingly like a very introspective movie for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the fact that this is a, you know, an anime film, it was really a refresher because, um, you know, the timing was different. The characters move in a different way. And the, the movie definitely, you know, besides the writing and the plot and the story, uh, the movie really moves along at a different pace. And so it was, uh, it was, it was a good, good visual experience for me. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. At the end, I remember like when things were kind of getting to a climax and starting to wrap up afterwards, I just remember thinking like, wow, this, 
was a very long movie. Like, it's it like two hours. Yeah, it just took a long... There was a lot that they told, and there was lots of very slow moments. But in the very end, I'm like, man, it took a long time to get to this point. Yeah. So, and it was just a completely different style. We would never see a movie like this in America. Like, I know we talked about this before, but we would never see a st- American studio put out a film like this, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Or do you think we would? I don't think so. It's just also, it comes to culture. Like, their culture, it's just different. Yeah. Like, it's just different. I don't even know exactly how they're different in all ways, but they're just different. For example, there was one part, like, I was kind of confused how she was, she puts up, like, right after she goes old, and she's like, oh, well, at least my clothes, my clothes finally fit me, or become me, or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that, like, I don't get it. Is because- I, think she, I think she's just considering herself as, like, dull and ordinary. You know, uh, that she wears old people clothes. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, okay. But, like, for me, I was thinking, like, okay, do the Asians think that... Because I know in Latin American countries, okay, Latin American countries, it's not cool to be skinny. Uh-huh. It's a lot more becoming on a girl, specifically, to be more um, curvy. Uh-huh. And so I was just wondering, is that the same there, too? I don't even know. Well, people in Japan are very small frames right and i i haven't really heard much whether being, yeah, it, being it, thinner. it could be, it could be. I, I don't know but um i the way i saw it i think she was just making a comment that she's always been kind of plain and in ordinary in her clothes yeah. Been, like, See, that makes more sense. yeah that makes a lot more sense now okay yeah um so this is 2004 uh spirited away was in 2001 yeah howl's moving castle i, I got i get this one mixed up with castle in the sky Ah, uh, me too. I, but one of them's you know with legs, and then the other one is Castle uh, in the Sky is like from the eighties, like way yeah. before. And then this yeah. one, yeah, moving castle with legs and robots, and whatever. <laughs> you know, it's very steampunk. You know, the whole thing. Yeah, you totally. Know, it's very. And, um, Sophie's uh, town that she lives in is is based off a town in France, and you can definitely tell it's got the, kind of this this World War Two kind of atmosphere to it. Mm-hmm. People are going to war, and there's these big processions, and then there's. They're reading the headlines and like, oh, uh, you know, bombers flying around. And so I have uh, that question. Is this a commentary on World War Two or war in general? No, I think Miyazaki, he's very much a pacifist. Uh-huh. And so he you'll always sort of see these themes in his films. Like there's always theme of flying and there's always some sort of war theme. And he takes like the pacifist approach. Like yeah. we, don't, we don't need to fight. Right. And, and war is bad. Right. And so um, he definitely put his own. This is based on a book um, by a woman named Diana Wynne Jones. And she's a British author this book was written in the 80s and i don't think this theme of like war is in her book at all Mm. and like so for the second half of the film it's completely like his commentary on you know his views of the world yeah and in a lot of miyasaki films the the characters who participate in these wars feel justified but they're really really kind of silly you know uh, princess mononoke is uh one of the more mature serious films um, but it's a, it's all about, uh, you know, man not getting along with nature. And so they, they have this huge conflict, you know, and they, they keep, uh, it keeps escalating to these more drastic measures to defeat the other. And then if you watched a uh, grave of the fireflies, that's a, uh, very serious, very haunting film where you definitely see Miyazaki's negative view on war. Yeah. And, uh, you don't see like the suffering and the aftermath and like the horror of war in this film as much. You do see some, some, you do see buildings burning and exploding and stuff in, in the bombings and stuff. You see a lot of flying, like a lot of aircraft 
and you see a lot of uh, conflict and war type situations in Miyazaki films. One thing, you know, is that they kind of played off was like how silly this war was. Mm-hmm. Like, it was I know. It was very like Helen of Troy. Like didn't Helen of Troy get kidnapped? And so the, you know, that's why the Trojan war, one of those big Greek wars started. Or, oh yeah. Good point. It, I don't know if it was Helen of Troy or if it was one of like the beautiful wives of somebody. Anyways. So this was kind of the same thing. Like the prince is missing. So you guys must've done it. So we're fighting. Question. Did they ever actually say that's why the war started? Apparently at the very you, beginning, you got to pay attention. They're I, like reading the newspaper and they're like, Oh, do you think we're going to go to war? Yeah. They said that their prince was kidnapped and they're blaming us. I totally missed totally that. Totally missed that. <laughs> I totally missed that. And so at the very end, when it all gets resolved, <laughs> it's, it's like, so I'm like, ridiculous. is this the most like cheesy fairy tale ever? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it was a prince who was enchanted as a scarecrow. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, did we just throw that in there just for fun? I know. That's, I was so, so like, I, I was probably on the same page. You're my you. one true love, Sophie. I know. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Like, well, I'll just hop away on my magic scarecrow it's kind stick. Of like, it's kind of like a no face. Yeah. Like, totally just a no not face. As no, right. I mean, a lot, and a lot more helpful. Of course. I mean, he I love the, do, I like these films because, um, likes to do laundry. <laughs> not <laughs> only kind of man right there. <laughs> it's uh, going back to spirited away. And also, um, my neighbor Totoro, um, there's a lot of these companions in Miyazaki films that are, they're just companions. And you don't really know why they're there, but they just decide to follow the character. You know, <laughs> like it's very linked to the past where you yeah. get these weird situations, side quests where someone just follows you until you figure out what they want. Uh, like the, the magic, magical chest in Link to, pa- Link to the Past? The magical chest. Yeah, that's really weird. Did you ever solve that? I did. I oh, did. Nice, I, f- nice. I forgot what I got for it. A bottle. Oh, yeah, you do. Very useful. Oh, yes. Um, Need all four. Seriously, man. But anyway... Um, you know, the, the dog, you know, can't talk, um, no face, um, the two, um, the, uh, the guy that turned into a bird and the baby that turned into oh, yeah. a, um, a mouse, they yeah. just, you know, they have all, you know, the main character has all the reason in the world to not, to not help them, but they do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, you're stuck with us, but we're going to be like totally quiet and just kind of like help you, you know? Yeah. Like, where did that dog come from? It was the, it was the, what was her name? Adam Solomon's. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was her dog Aaron that was sent dog. to follow. Yeah, but and like, he just, like, hanging out. But he out. helped the whole time. <laughs> yeah, then he sort of, like, abandoned her and just was like, these guys are cool. <laughs> Put over there. Yeah. Cool, like kids, the playground. cool kids that let me sit at their table. I know. <laughs> yeah. So here's so yeah, this. The themes of war, you know, and the, and the whole steampunk thing is really cool. I I like I love the music that's in Miyazaki films. It's very orchestral, you know, you know, and um, the themes are very beautiful. Like everything's like there's some themes in the soundtracks that are like super peaceful, and I'm like, wow, I kind of want this on tape, and I can just on tape, on tape. <laughs> yeah, okay, hey, hey, cassette tape. Someone I'll make gave, a tape for themselves. That's where the Jurassic Park 1993 is coming out. It's a, it's an interactive CD-ROM. <laughs> you know, Miyazaki wasn't even originally directing this, wasn't he? Yeah, there was actually another director. He was a a big guy in the Digimon universe. He directed two of the Digimon films and and one episode. His name was Mamoru Hosoda. Again, my pronunciations are awesome. (laughs) Anyways, he was supposed to direct and then just abruptly left. 
production. I don't know if it was in pre-production or whenever. So Miyazaki had to come out of retirement. Like, See it seems like this happens a lot to him. <laughs> Maybe he's like a, just a control freak. And he's like, uh, I don't know how old Maybe is he. Maybe he was like calling every day and just like, you're going too fast. Are you going too fast? You're going too fast. Yeah. He's like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> no. Yeah. But Miyazaki took over and finished directing it. So definitely put his, his spin on it and yeah. his stamp. Yeah. So let's talk about the characters. Um, the lead, of course, is uh, Sophie, you know, Sophie, plain and tall, 18 um, year old, works at a hat shop. She's 18. Did they say yeah. that? She's 18, according to all the online stuff. Oh, yeah. Because okay. if it's written online, then it obviously must be it's from true. the book, too. Yeah. I don't know. I thought she was really cool. She's voiced by um, Emily Mortimer who was uh, Molly Shiftwell in Cars 2. Um, I've, I've seen her in a couple things. She's got a very kind of, like, not raspy, but she's got a very um, unique voice, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. It's very charming, you know? No, she and, I enjoyed... Uh, well, I mean, when talking about young Sophie, not Grandma Sophie. Right. Oh, Grandma Sophie's cute, too. <laughs> who was voiced yeah. by a different lady? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, well, in the Japanese one, it was the same voice actress who really? did both. Yeah, sure was. It was it was Gene Simmons, uh, the woman. Not that Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, she, yeah, it was actually her last. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually her last theatrical film. Um, but yeah, she voiced Grandma Sophie. I really like her her character. I thought it was very like strange how like easily she adjusted to the grandma life. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's because she's not vain, you know. I don't think she has a high expect. She doesn't have a high expectation for herself, like beauty wise. Uh-huh. So when well, she turns yeah. to a grandma, she's kind of like, "Hey, I don't really have to care about my looks because I'm old, and I can pretty much speak my mind because I'm old." And uh, uh, to be old, you know, I don't have to be afraid of anything because I'm old. Well, yeah, when she's like the very beginning, she's trekking across across the the landscape, and people are like, "Is she going out there by herself?" Yeah, I'm like what a crazy old woman. Yeah, what well, I also thought. Okay, when she is going back and forth between Grandma Sophie and Young Sophie, is it just love that shows her like real self? Because there's only one point in time where she goes back to like even the brown hair and everything, like totally her young self, and that's when the Madame Sophilier or whatever, when she's talking to him, and she's like, "Oh, you turns out you're in love." So it's like, is it just love that shows our youth? Is I that what he's doing with it? Well, I connected it with how she feels about herself. Um, you know, when when you're in love, you definitely feel better about yourself. And so I think there is a connection there. And then I think when she gets upset or just kind of feels kind of self-pitying, then she turns into an old woman. But I think um, when she has these f- um, feelings of love for Howell, then I think that triggers it too. It was cool to see her because um, in the second half of the film, she's still old, but she's a lot more youthful looking. She's, yeah. Not yeah. Cro- she's not crotchety old lady. Like she can pretty much sprint around and like jump and do all these acrobatic things. Is that um, just confidence then? Maybe like it's just definitely open for interpretation, but I got these general feelings of like, you know, higher self-worth and belonging and, and feelings of love that kind of made her kind of break that spell a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool because no one ever, um, they what? never ever resolved that her spell is broken. If you know? it was at all, yeah. yeah. She just, like, the witch found... of the waste. The witch of the waste was like, uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I just break cast spell. spells. I don't break them. <laughs> I'm like, what like, oh, kind you're... of witch are you? Well, it's not a very good spell, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, how frustrating was her like curse? 
Like, these type of curses, you can't tell anyone that you've been cursed? Great. I mean, good luck ever yeah. figuring it out. Oh, I bet Howl knew the whole time. You oh, think? Yeah, because otherwise, why in the world wouldn't they, like, point out, why did you just get old and now you're young and now you're old again? Like, that's pretty weird. Yeah. And they're just, like, he's walking around. I was like, oh, Scarecrow guy. Hey, you were... Well, he's a witch. He's a wizard himself, so he's kind of, like used to all these weird things being surrounded. I mean, he has a flame that's, you know, part of his life. And then this little boy, um, who, I can't remember his name, but... Markle. Markle, like... I thought it was Marco. I don't think it was ever resolved who he was, why he was there. No. uh, Why he was so young. I mean, maybe he was a really old person and just had a young... I I left not understanding him. Yeah. I, I just understand. I just understand that he's Josh Hutcherson. Oh, I know. <laughs> I love seeing these people who are like famous now, and it's like, man, you were ten years ago. You did this. Yeah, nice. I know. Well, so Sophie's cool, and then um, Witch of the Waste. What a what a strange, complex character. Um, I love the way that Miyazaki does certain body types. <laughs> like he just goes to the extreme on yeah. designing characters. Because when she was the beautiful Witch of the Waste, she. She was very she was okay stout. looking. Well, yeah, she but was, she was very stout and like she and had this neck. big weird chest. How many and, chins did she have? Oh, that was yeah, that was That's later. Disgusting. <laughs> I like no, I like the, the um, beginning. When when I was uh, trying to explain this the film's story to Shanna, oh good luck. Today, uh, <laughs> I tried to explain it to Jared. He was like, "I'll pass." Yeah, she was, she was like, oh, "I'm lost." <laughs> and then, uh, but she was reading my notes. She was like, "Okay, so there's like a girl that turns into a grandma, and there's like demons." But she made, she pointed out that um, the Witch of the Waste gets older as she goes up the stairs, and then Sophie gets more livelier, you know, as she goes up the stairs, either by det- from determination. But I, we think that it's because her magic was already wearing off the Witch of the Wastes, oh. and so as she lost her powers and her ability to like you know to do things for herself because she turned into a very old lady. That kind of you know, allowed Sophie to kind of be a little more free from the spell that was on her. Yeah, I think it was just because she hasn't been out of that carriage in years. <laughs> like she, she just gets carried around by these like tar people. Like I don't. They're like, like elephant tar ba- seal tar voodoo guys. <laughs> like the tar babies. It's like, oh, how did that get past the censors? I mean, like Song of the South wasn't so lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah, Song yeah. Of, Song of the South. Not its fault. <laughs> it's not its fault. Pretty good, Churchy Bone. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I thought she was a cool character and definitely embodies uh, greed and selfishness. I mean, I like how she just like gets up to the table and like runs up really quick and like greedily grabs everything and like smokes a cigar and like she's like, oh, look at all these goodies for me. And then it takes her so long to be not selfish and be like, okay, you can have Hal's heart if you really like him. Yeah, and it's understandable that it takes her so long because who knows how old she is. And, like, the older you get, the more stuck in your ways. Definitely. So it's harder to combat feelings good, like that. That's a good point. So let's talk about Hal. First, I like how Sophie gets in trouble with the soldiers. And he's like, uh, your mustache scares all the girls away. I was like, finally, someone makes that makes that comment. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what kind of facial hair Jared has, but I will never. I, I just don't want. I just don't get it. Like girls, why do you like guys with mustaches? I don't. You know? We don't. They. It's like. Do you? I just want to go to a guy with a mustache and be like, "Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy having like a Wookie on your upper lip? You know, just a little Wookie." 
There's a little Wookiee resting you, on your upper lip. Do you lip. talk to it at night? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, I, like, will, I, I shouldn't the, ridicule mustaches that much because my dad has one. Yeah, but your dad's but, a uh, man. Yeah, I don't get the rising generation's obsession with mustaches. Definitely has something to do with the hipster movement. Yeah. You know? And um, everyone's desire to be a 1920s oil baron. I know. It's like, okay. I, I'm going to be the next Rockefeller. Yeah, what's next? Uh, you know, you're going to start uh, wearing monocles and top hats and petticoats and start oh, talking sure like this. Started. I would love to Says see that. here in the news, Papa, that Rockefeller has made a 100 penny reward for all of us. A magnificent flying contraption. Oh That's exactly God. how the announcer talks in The Legend of Korra. Really? Because it's set in like that era, kind oh, of. It's, it's really funny. Anyway, I just don't. I just. It's so true. That is my mustache rant, folks. Well, here's if you're gonna get a rant on this one, I'll get little, one too. Little Wookie. Um, I personally, I think that some guys can pull off facial hair, and I think they do a really good job with it. But at the same time, I would never kiss it. <laughs> so just, you would never kiss Burt Reynolds? No. Ew. No. <laughs> like, Why not? Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I just I. You would never kiss Jafar. Jafar. Your mustache is so twirly, <laughs> twisted. It's just, it's just how it is. What about Sean Connery? Would you yeah, kiss Chelsea, him? please tell us which of all the old men that you're interested in kissing. <laughs> I'm gonna find him. Oh man. Anyway, um, and then we're introduced to Hal, voiced by. <laughs> I heard it, and I was like. That's Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> you like, gotta be kidding me. He's, he's like, hey, Sophie, just walk with me. But it was a sexy voice. Yeah. I, I, it, looking at the character, I would not think something like that, but I totally dig yeah. the voice on Cal. Yeah. It, it, it made a good wrap up for the film, you know, where at the end he's like, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a <laughs> like the epitome of um he's like smooth suave and you can't really tell if he's a boy or girl at first it's true classic (laughs) anime so good looking that you're like hmm well okay so at the very beginning they're like oh there's house castle oh be careful he's gonna eat your heart did i miss hear that like i guess that it was just it got twisted because apparently they've yeah well they built up this lore that he steals hearts and women you know both both he steals women and and you know removes their hearts you know uh, temple of doom style i imagine um but he never actually stole any women at all Right, because I was expecting well, he really her to get in there, kind of and there were just built around him. But I expected her to walk into the castle and then to like open up some rooms, and there's like a whole bunch of girls just oh. like chained up or like just in a room, like help us. No, that didn't happen at all. Oh, <laughs> but he has, you know, he's very vain in like how he looks, and he's yeah. kind of going down the path of the witch of the waste, where he's spending all his energy on looking good and keeping his hair blonde. Oh, yeah. Having a really Focusing tricked out himself. room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, favorite quote of the entire, th- or not quote, but favorite moment. Ah, now I'm a ginger. There's nothing worse. <laughs> I know, right? Did you use that term, ginger? No. Oh. <laughs> it's like my hair. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. I give up. I see no point in living if oh, I can't be he, beautiful. <laughs> then he has his little, like, sulking like green goo. Yeah, what was that? I, was love, well, it's, I love how Miyazaki symbolizes all these all these transformations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, kids have their like tantrums and they're like, they get all stressed out and they like just start melting away. Yeah. 
yeah, he makes it very visual, like how yeah. you're feeling. And then as she's yeah. taking him up the stairs and the towel falls off and she's like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's it's like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love classy, it. Classy, classy. Don't look at his butt. Don't look, oh, I looked at his butt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I loved Calcifer. I did not know who he was voiced by at first, but then it, it was all too obvious. It kept bog- bugging oh, me. I like I was sitting it. there, I was like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? I'm like, I know this guy. And finally, I'm like, I give up. And I just looked up on IMDb and I'm like, oh, it's Mike Wazowski. Yeah. <laughs> I like Calcifer because he's, he's very needy and he's very demanding. Yeah. Well, he's very needy, you know, and it kind of, it's kind of cool because, you know, when you think of fire, it doesn't really start itself. Like it needs something to keep going Mm -hmm. in the start, you know? And so that kind of embodies that. But I just thought Calcifer was just like this cute little wisecracking, poor pathetic little soul who like (laughs) needed constant attention from everyone. Well, what I thought was interesting is, you know, at the very beginning, Sophie comes up and she's able to tend the fire and get it to get him to do what she wants. And they're like, I like, I like how everyone's like, no, no, there's these rules. Calcifer never does anything without Hal. Calcifer can't do this without Hal. And she's like, okay, whatever. And she just makes him do it. Yeah. But do you think maybe it's because she was the one destined for his heart? So she kind of had access to his heart and was able to, because Calcifer was his heart or part of it. Like, well, okay, the whole Calcifer thing. I was I was very interested in this because uh, you you made the point that he's very needy, and then at the very end, how does she solve it? Like she she's the one that has to be able to put the heart back into his into his chest, uh-huh. but also she makes the wish that Calcifer won't be harmed as well. Uh-huh. And so is that kind of like saying that Calcifer? Like, he is realizing that he can be his own person as well. Like, doesn't need other people, doesn't need... But then he just comes back because he wants to. Well, Calcifer is... Uh, he. I think he's in a weaker state um, in the film because uh, he makes a deal to serve Howell, but Howell gives him his heart in return, so it's like he needed it? Uh, or I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. It was a bit unclear. Yeah. It was unclear, and I don't really mind it. I just thought he was really funny. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girls, quit getting all emotional and sentimental. He was a funny character. Okay, know, okay. He was witty. <laughs> well, I also, I also think there's a big theme in this film about like the role of of elderly people in the family because there's a family theme. Yeah. You know, I can hear I can hear Sid from Ice Age now. You know, you know what? We are the worst herd I've ever seen. <laughs> the weird, I'm the weirdest looking herd I've ever seen. But um, everybody in the everybody in the film kind of has a mentality where they need a grandmother, someone with wisdom, patience, you know, and, but someone who can also whip them into shape, you know, Mm -hmm. the fire's like, no, I don't do anything without Hal. And she's just like, well, I'm a grandma now. And now I'm going to make you do this (laughs) because you have to respect me. And then, you know, the kid, um, Markle, um, you know, he's, he's a little bratty too, but he definitely needs, uh, he needs a, a parent figure in his life, you know, and Hal's, you know, out doing whatever. And then Howell needs someone who will be patient, but um, but will also push him in the right way, mm-hmm. you know, encourage him to be who he is. Because there's also this thing that's like all the old people in this film are like, man, Howell has so much talent, but he misuses it. You know, I think that's kind of a view on today's youth where it's like youth today have so much potential and talent and they really shouldn't be wasting it on on the stupid stuff that they waste it on sometimes. Video games I don't know. and animation and <laughs> yeah, all that silly stuff. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Uh, maybe our, maybe our listeners would disagree, but um, 
I, I definitely thought there was a, a good message on like, you know, we all need like a grandma family roles, you know, are dependent on each other and they, you know, they can, it can really work when you have all the components. So yeah, you got this crazy cast of characters and, um, yeah, there are some parts that were really cool. I, I thought all the amazing flying machine contraptions in this film are really cool. Mm-hmm. I, there's some, there's some good quotes too. I love it when Calcifer gets so upset that she wants to cook on top of him. You know, that's he's a fire demon. No one does that. He's like, oh, may all your bacon burn. <laughs> See, I thought I was like that's going to be my her. new quip. <laughs> may all your bacon burn. <laughs> I know. And then there's some. There's also some fun parts where she's like walking up to the. Um, they're going up to the cat to, to the palace to talk with the king. And uh, I like how babyish the king is. I, at first I thought he was all cool. He's like, oh, I decided not to use magic. Blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh, you're so eloquent today. And the yeah. real king comes in. He's like, oh, new battle plans. New battle plans. Let go. It's like, oh, crap. Anyway, um, I like it. Man. background and research on these things. Master, the plans. <laughs> Yeah, Hal definitely has the way with the ladies. I mean, come on. He's showing her the secret garden and everything. <laughs> he's like, like showing the secret garden. His hair is like waving in the wind. Yeah, long like, flowing locks. Well, it was very much You like, can come here whenever you want. <laughs> it was like Beast. Yeah. Like the library is like, I'm going to give you a secret place. It's just for you. Oh, man. She's like, oh. <laughs> but there's like the fact that she caught on to the whole, the fact that he was leaving they was like, that's smart. Like, mistrust, always. <laughs> like, here, here's the thing. Like, women women tend to mistrust, and men have commitment issues. And being the only single person in here, I can I can say this because, you know, people won't get totally offended. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't apply in this little group. But I'm just saying, like, that's kind of like a commentary on a lot of relationships here. That's true. Yeah, that's I think... Yeah, I think it has something to do with that. I think Hal also thought it was his duty to intervene in the war and stop, you know, stop the violence, you know? <laughs> well, at that point, he, like, realized that he had something to protect. Like, he was like, oh, okay, I've decided not to run away anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely said, yeah, he definitely said that in that film, in that in that scene also. Yeah, I, I like the comparison with Beauty and the Beast, you know? He's very like, Sophie, you can go anywhere you want in the castle. Except the West Wing. What's, What's in the West Wing? The Bat Cave's in the West Wing. <laughs> you, never, you never go in the Bat Cave. Oh, so, the, so the Beast not only has a time vortex, but he's, he's also secretly hero. Batman. Oh, That's I love right. this. We need, someone needs to draw that picture. He's Wait. a symbol that we don't, we don't have to give in to fear and chaos. Oh my goodness. Sophie. Oh my Wait, they should wait, marry this me. movie and, and have it be Disney and have it be Beast Moving Castle. Beast Moving Castle! Oh. And instead of giving her the library. Beast Moving Batcave. Because, because they're, um, because Sophie's kind of like Belle, like she's pretty, but she's just not like, you know, super, she doesn't, super she, gorgeous. She doesn't, she doesn't think she's all that. Yeah, exactly. So like someone could totally redo this Beauty and the Beast theme and it would totally work. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Dent must never know about this. But anyway, um, <laughs> I like uh, when um, 
Witch of the Wastes, uh, her carriage stops, and she's like, what, an enchantment? And there's like this overly dramatic uh, court guy in the background who's like, I'm sorry, madam, but you cannot bring vehicles in here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, like, I had a big problem with that with Witch of the Wastes. Like, can't she just fly? Like, isn't she a witch? Like, pull a Kiki's delivery service and just hop on a broom. Good point. I don't know. Too big, she'd break it. She needs, like, six brooms. She needs that pogo stick that the prince has. That was so funny. I loved how (laughs) Turnip Head would just bounce around. It was hilarious. Poor little guy. He's so cute. (laughs) But the the animators for this film really communicated, like, the struggle that elderly people have getting around, especially upstairs. Like, how cruel. Even I would get tired going up that many stairs True. and then they they really show like how which of the ways is like totally struggling <laughs> well with, even uh, sophie like has to go back and pick up the dog because at first we think a towel so yeah it shows like how much more generous she is and then she could have just like gone and left a uh, wicked not well she's not a wicked witch but we just like, want to be a wicked witch of the waist <laughs> <laughs> left her but she like kind of makes sure that you know i can't help you but you have to get up on your own and right. i'm gonna be here to rah rah shish kumbah, you know so they got up together they kind of became friends what? it was just so bizarre it's like she the, the wicked witch of the wet <laughs> the waste the waste witch okay she walks up she sits in this chair because she's so tired and then zap all her powers giant, yeah giant light bulbs like, like, yikes. Ah. like good thing hal wasn't here and then we kind of go, we kind of like go into the second half of the film. This was the part that got really strange for me. I could understand what everything that was going on. And then the last, well, the last 30 minutes of the film, but kind of everything leaving up, leading up to the, the pacing was just like, sometimes we're very peaceful. Sometimes we're very frantic. Sometimes we're, we're like, Oh, everything's going great. And then other times like everything's going bad, you know, and, and everything I said, not necessarily in that order. Um, yeah. I did like the cool part where he's like, hey, we're going to move the castle. And I like the animation where the house just kind of rearranges itself. Oh, yeah. That was you cool. know, I, I was, like, confused about the mom. Because, like, <laughs> it mom made, like, yeah. mom. the mom, like, obviously, like, she's been missing for a while. So you think oh, the family would miss Sophie. her. Oh, Sophie. I magically figured it out that you've been transformed into an old woman. Well, Do I care? Someone Not told really. Her. No, no. The, the madame told her. Oh. And, like, it seemed like she had put, like, a... Not the, not the term bribe, but like, um, like was holding her husband hostage. So at the very end, she's like, "I did what you asked. Now just give, take me to my husband." Yeah, you know what I mean. But it was like really pathetic. I was like, "Wow, she cares about her husband more than Sophie." A like, new husband. I'm confused. Like, yeah, yeah, like very rich. brand new. So I'm just. I like, just really like confused. how um how she's like, "Oh, won't you come stay with us, please, please, please?" And Sophie's like, "Ah, uh, well, oh, I just remembered. I have a car waiting. Gotta go." Yeah. yeah, and the whole family situation isn't resolved. It's like, your moral of the story, your family's not important. Like, it's your new family. Yeah, which create I your, just, well, maybe it's like create your own family where, like, if you're, whatever your circumstances that you're born in aren't ideal, go ahead and make your own. Yeah, but, at the, same, what you're saying? but at the same time, it's like, yeah, okay, so you're not as beautiful as everyone else in your family. You don't fit in per se, but they're still your family. Like, don't yeah. abandon them. So right. I like really didn't like the fact that well, like you and I would say that. But well, is that what he's trying to say? I don't know. I I just I didn't. Well, approve I, very I think much. there's definitely I think there's definitely that theme that Chelsea was mentioning. Like I think about my my own mom. Uh, her family life was kind of bad when she was young, and then when she married my dad, she uh, it got a lot better. And she always says, "I don't know if I'll see my family again because they've they definitely turned their back on me." But I. But I know that I'm blessed because I have my own family. I was able to make make a family of my own 
and uh you know with your father and and we're all happy yeah and so i can i can relate to to this theme that sophie's kind of she's okay with her mom not being in the picture anymore because she's got a family of her own and uh whatever their vice is whether it's like hey i just married this guy for money or hey we don't like you because you're different or, or whatever reason if you're abandoned you can always start your own family and, and there's always a place where you can you know there's always a chance that you can have someone to go to i don't know it's kind of a touchy touchy subject but that's kind of the vibe that i got that chelsea was mentioning that she can now now sophie could make her own family yeah. for herself and be happy that way but yeah. it is kind of random that she's just kind of like okay mom see you later never <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I, I think it also depends on the, the principles by which you are creating your family. Like, their principles, I guess, is just all on acceptance. I mean, how anybody comes in is like, well, I've got new friends here, you know, all of my friends at my table. And then, oh, you just keep bringing new people in. And, oh, yeah, the, the Wicked Witch of the Waste used to want my heart and all these things, but bah, I don't care anymore. I'm not going <laughs> to run away. Whatever. You're welcome in my home and eat my food and whatever. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a lot more of a... I don't even know. <laughs> just, I guess more on, it is more on like acceptance and just love, but it all kind of wraps around her. Like Sophie is the one that creates that. Like she's the one that has this, this love that's, it doesn't matter what, if, it, you know, what other people do, I'm still going to love you. So she's the one that's kind of creating this whole group of people mm-hmm. and turning it into a family. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, definitely kind of a strange last 30 minutes like they she, i don't i didn't understand why she took calcifer out of the castle and like broke it and then brought it back in and it kind of turns into like a littler castle yeah you know, i was just trying to I, th- I think it was like i think it was like the equivalent of like restarting a computer i think she was trying to get it i think she was trying to get the portals out of the town that was bombed and that would and hopefully Hal would pick up on that and, and well, leave the fighting. Didn't, didn't Calcifer get poisoned because the... He got cal- poisoned because Freeman Wicked Witch just, like, threw a demon into his mouth or I something. Know. She's like, here, take this. And he's like, wow. <laughs> I was like, no, Calcifer, you can't die. <laughs> don't, don't be a... Who's the who's the firefly on, um, oh, on Princess even, and the Frog? Even Root? Oh. In the Rescuers? No, 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 no. The, the Firefly on Princess and the Frog. Oh, Raymond? Isn't it Ray? Ray. Oh, yeah. Sad. Don't, don't be him. That would be a buzzkill. <laughs> Evangeline. Oh. I was like, no, don't die, Kelsifer. No. Like, if you die, hell dies. And I really, it wasn't until much deeper on in the film that I even thought to think, why in the world is it that Kelsifer is tied so concretely to hell because I, I think at that point i'm just like i'm just in crazy i don't i don't understand everything so accept i'm just gonna it. just accept it as it is and just let them tell me because <laughs> i'll try and figure it out after it's all done maybe there's like time there's like time travel in it you know all is lost and she finds this magical portal yeah that's weird that was back in time it's like, that was oh. odd and that then she was like, and first find me like, in the future i can save find you find me in the future 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 <laughs> See, that's the thing. This second, this last 30 minutes of the film, they just keep throwing on all these new elements and these new ideas, and it just becomes a bit too much. Uh-huh. Because it's, like, just snowballing, and you're like, whoa, 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 I just finally got a grip on this, and now, like, you have this angle, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it made it a little hard. It, yeah. it kind of took me away from the story a bit, because I'm like, whoa, this is just going 
crazy left field now. Uh-huh. I, I also like all these dudes in Miyazaki films transforming into flying creatures. <laughs> yeah, that was never fully explained either. Well, I think Hal's powers are so powerful, but if he uses them for selfish reasons, then it gets harder and harder. Or, or maybe the transforming is so powerful that it takes a long time for it to wear off and it's really yeah. hard for him. And it'll, you know, it's like, if you make that ugly face, it'll stick that way, you know? <laughs> and so that's what Calfer's, Calfer's trying to tell him. But yeah. yeah, it's very strange. Like, uh, Sophie's kiss solves everything. Yeah. She, smooch, like- she smooches on Hal and he's like, He's like, oh, thank you. I'm back. Uh, she kisses the... You know, the scarecrow. He's like, oh, I'm the magical prince. <laughs> who's been lost this whole time. Like, by my I'll put you in my fungin. I know. That's what they said, like... <laughs> well, you know, fungin. They say... Fungin. When they say true love's kiss, it's like, oh, please. This is, gonna, this is awkward now. Did you not just see what just happened? What, did Ursula put the spell on him? <laughs> Uh, everything can be solved through true love's kiss. Hasn't Disney taught us enough? Snow White. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty and... Uh, Beauty of the Beast. Beauty of the Beast. They didn't actually kiss to change, though. Uh, Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Little Snow White, Little Mermaid, and Mulan. Beauty. Ah, I can't even get it right. Atlantis. Whatever. Enchanted. Treasure Planet. Treasure <laughs> Planet. What? Pokemon, the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> Return to Far Too. Yeah, I, I imagine that a purely Western audience would have a hard time with the whole, like, oh, true love's kiss. I am no longer a scarecrow. And, like, um,. Sophie's not your true love anymore. She's Howl's. Yeah. Like, yeah, well... Oh, okay. Well, I'll just hop away. Hearts change. Like, what? No, no, no. Sophie was his true love, but it wasn't vice versa. Yeah. Right. I was trying to, I was trying to figure this out. I was trying to explain this to Shanna that um, Sophie is Turnip's true love to him, but Howl is Sophie's true love to her. Yes. And so Shanna was like, so it's a love triangle. <laughs> it's true. Anyway... Um, so yeah, kind of a bizarre ending, and it wraps up very quickly. Like, there's no boss fight. You know, I yeah. think I, some of these films we expect a boss fight. Well, that's because we're Western. Yep, that's right, we're Western. <laughs> Saddle up, partner. Well, where you come from, Mason, it all is a showdown duel, you know? In the, in no, the- it is. If, if, if some guy leaves mayonnaise on my burger and I ask for it, you know, I, I call him out. And by call out, I mean I call him outside. This this town ain't big enough for the two. (laughs) But anyway. Well, yeah, and so it uh, all gets resolved, and then they just sort of, aren't they just, like, floating away on... Kinder. Anyway, so I remember them walking away into the sunset, or being carried into the sunset. No, I just remember the the prince bouncing off on his pogo stick. Wait, he had a pogo stick? No, like, at the very end, he's like, all right, I'm heading back to my palace now, and he just, like, takes his stick... Yeah, oh. and he's like he bounces back. <laughs> yeah, because Madame Solomon is looking through the crystal ball. She's like, "Ha ha! I've been spying on you the whole time." And and then she's like, "Oh well, they all learned their lessons, and they're all better now. I so uh, let's call off the war." Her, she like, like actually wasn't an evil person. She's just like, "I want you to learn your lessons." Uh, really? I don't know. I don't think it was like that. I think she was just like, "Oh, the prince is back. Uh, okay, we'll stop this this war." Yeah. So, what are your final thoughts on this one? This was a good film. Um, and any not of us- a- had any of us seen this before? I hadn't seen it. No, I hadn't. I had, I had seen a few Miyazaki films, but not this one. This one is always one that people mention. 
it's got a high rating on IMDb. Um, I don't know what Rotten Tomatoes gave it, but I thought it was an enjoyable film. Like the art was really cool. It was very Miyazaki. It just, in my opinion, it wasn't as good as Spirited Away, but it was still a good film. Mm-hmm. As far as stars, I would give it, I don't know. I'd give it like three and a half stars. Nice. I lost interest in it in some parts, but uh, I did enjoy it. It's a good film. I mean, people should definitely watch it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I was, I really liked the beginning. I liked the pace and the characters and the world we were introduced to, and I, I totally bought into that. Um, I did feel a bit overwhelmed at the end because a lot of things were being wrapped up and new things were being introduced. So I kind of had a problem with that towards the end, but I think that was obviously purposefully done. I really liked the characters a lot. Like I thought they were very strong, interesting, and unique, and different, and just things we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hadn't seen an old lady, I guess, or or kind of those concepts and themes brought up in this way. So for that reason, I really liked it. And I would give it three and a half stars as well. Yeah, this episode kind of is kind of how I propose most of Miyazaki's film is just like, bam, welcome to crazy. <laughs> we were just <laughs> back and forth all through the, all the whole thing. Um, but also, like, I think for me, I... I'll give it a three and a half stars as well. That's kind of where I felt like it was, it was rating. It wasn't something that I've, it's something that I'll be thinking about for a long time. Uh-huh. And it'll like, like I'll, I'll just have random thoughts. Like, I wonder if that's why, or it, and just because of that, I can respect it a lot more. Yeah. I can respect this movie because it got me thinking a lot and it's like trying to figure things out. I don't have much else to say, but it was a good movie. We also got some voice messages this time, and this one is from Gemma Clark, and she tells us her rating of this movie as well. Hi guys, this is Gemma, and I'd like to give my thoughts on Howl's Moving Castle because it is my favourite Studio Ghibli film. I have to admit, probably 50% of the reason why I love this movie so much is because of Howl himself. I'm sorry, I'm a big Howl fangirl, I adore him with all my heart. But I will say they did tone him down for the film, as this was based on a book, and I like him a lot more in the book, actually. Um, I really like Sophie, I think she's a very good female protagonist. Miyazaki loves his strong female protagonists. (laughs) Um, Another big reason why I love the movie is the romance, or as much as I can find of the romance in it. Um, And I love the fantasy elements too. I love the whole theme of hearts and fallen stars and everything and how they all come together. Um, The music in the movie by Joe Hisaishi is fantastic, really beautiful and romantic. So I think the music's great, the characters are great, the visuals are great. Of course, you wouldn't expect anything less from a Studio Ghibli film. Um, The story, however, is most likely the only problem I have with it. Things get a bit confusing during the last half hour, and I think this is because Miyazaki strayed so far from the book and maybe got a bit caught up in his own additions to the plot? I don't know. So it's not perfect, of course. It's not Miyazaki's slash Studio Ghibli's best film, but as I said, it's my personal favourite. Sorry, Princess Mononoke. We reached out to our Twitter fans and had them either send us a voicemail or send us a tweet, uh, like Chelsea said. And one of our writers, Myra Amaya, she said regarding this movie, she said, One of my all-time favorite Studio Ghibli films. The voice acting is impeccable and the story is completely magical. And then Robert Trujillo said, The robots in that film were like nothing I'd ever seen. Amazing character design. Hashtag Howl's Moving Castle. 
So everyone who'd seen it really enjoyed it. And then there were a few other people who were like, you know, one of our, our listeners, Ben, he's like, surprisingly, enough for how much animated movies are my life. I've never seen Howl's Moving Castle. And that was the same for all three of us. We yeah. hadn't seen it and it wasn't um, just something that we'd ever come across. And I, I was thinking about that, I think, because around this time, the Miyazaki films weren't like heavily promoted in theaters, like their release. And so it's like, I remember them coming out, but I ne remember never having anyone to go see them with mm -hmm. or having like that big of an interest because I wasn't quite sure what they were about, you know, because there is definitely a stigma with anime. But I think now there's a lot more people are seeing the Miyazaki films that are coming out now. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing oh, I remember being promoted to Kiki's Delivery Service. And I just remember Siskel and Ebert, uh, they both didn't like it because apparently they said wee too many times. <laughs> like that's all I remember about that one. That's so funny. like I don't remember I don't remember being told about this movie at all. So So thanks guys. Thanks so much, man. Okay, so we're gonna go into our segment, the mailbag. This is most of the episode at this point right here. Yeah, we have uh, quite a bit right now, so we're excited to read them and talk about them because we always ask you to send us your thoughts on other episodes that we've done and, and just thoughts about just random things. So we're going to start it off with Alyssa. I know you guys did your Mulan episode a while ago, but I have a few things I think should be discussed. So here I go. Number one, it irritates me very much that at the end of the film, the animators put Mulan back into that awful dress and makeup that she did not like. The whole movie was about her beating the system and breaking free and proving that women are equal. So then why would, after saving all of China, would she just put on the same dress again? It's as if no progress was made and we took two steps forward and one step back. I think this plays to the always showing Mulan with long hair and making her more Western and similar to everyone else thing. Forbid that we have an Asian Disney princess or any Disney princess that doesn't look like Disney's definition of beautiful. What do you guys think? You know, that's a good point. Uh, very good point. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, to be honest, I never noticed that she was back in that dress. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> I was like, huh, she is. Well, but then again, but she's not wearing the makeup. No, she's not... she, no, she looks normal. She looks like she did like when she, like, I guess that didn't really show up in my mind because I'm thinking, well, okay, she goes home. What else does she have? It's not like she went shopping on this little adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't. Yeah, I think just to keep it consistent, because what they're wanting to do is I do agree somewhat with the whole beating the system thing, but this isn't a feminist film. No. And it's about Mulan. Like Mulan is trying to help her father and and bring honor to her family by doing the things that she does. And so she, that's why she goes along with the whole becoming not a concubine. It's like going, going to going to the, the matchmaker thing. Yeah. She plays along with it, even though she's not really cut out for it. Cause she wants to impress it. She wants to bring honor to her family. And then she also, um, goes off on this quest. Well, and Mulan, to bring she, honor th to the she family. doesn't leave and, and go join the army because she's trying to prove that women can. Yeah. It's because yeah. it's her only option and she right. has to, you know? So it's not like this whole time she's like, girls are just as good as guys, you that's, know? That's Mulan too. <laughs> exactly, Aww. right? So I, I think, um, well, I do agree that it's kind of uh, silly that in the merchandising, they put her back as the long-haired Mulan. Yeah. Um, but then again, Disney loves their long-haired princesses, so... Yeah. yeah, they sure do. Definitely something. <laughs> definitely something to think about. It's a good point. 
Uh, I don't agree with it 100%, but I do think uh, that's something to think about, definitely. Our next one is from Joshua, and he says, Hello, Rotoscopers. I would like to start off by saying I am a huge fan of your podcast. I listen to them often and never really get tired of hearing them. It's easy to get lost and carried away with how many episodes I listen to because you all have such great passion and love for these films. I, too, share the same passion and love to talk about animation and films in general. I am hoping to become an animator one day and want to take an animation class next year after I graduate from high school. Sadly, I don't know anyone I can talk to about my love for animation. I recently decided to re-listen to your podcast starting from episode one and noticed that Morgan and Chelsea met Mason over the internet talking about your love for animation and quoting Disney movies. Uh, I was, yeah, kind of. Kind of. We'll clarify that. <laughs> we'll clarify. Um, I was wondering if you knew any websites or people I can t- contact to go to meet people that share these interests. By the way, I would love to hear you guys talk about Lilo and Stitch in the podcast. Oh. It would be great to hear you guys discuss how they use watercolor backgrounds and how they drew the characters in the unique drawing styles of the director, Sanders, who also did the voice of Stitch. Thanks you guys so much for taking the time to read this and for putting together such a great show. I really do look forward to each new episode. Joshua. P.S. Morgan, Chelsea, you guys both look like Disney princesses. No joke. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. That's every, such a... every girl's dream. I know. That totally goes against everything we just like said about this movie. Pal's movie castle. About... <laughs> well, y'all should join the army now. <laughs> Beat the system. But, um, well, thanks, Joshua. I know that uh, if you were a girl, you would say I look like a Disney prince. So, um, now, um... To clarify how we, we actually met. did not meet on the internet. I well, okay, for one, we've, we we talked about this earlier. Um, I've never met Chelsea in real life. Um, <laughs> it's a sad day, yeah. yeah. It really is, but I, I do know Morgan personally. I think I've, I mean, I, I act like I act like I, I, I've met her personally a lot. I think I've only it was only like a, a three week period when uh, we were both true. in Utah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've only ever met each other for like a three week period, huh? Yeah, so we, we met in uh, we actually met in Provo. We were at a at a training center for uh, missionaries for our church, and we met there. And I really don't think we really talked until one time in the cafeteria. You were like, "Hey, um, ever played Zelda?" And I was like, "Well, maybe." <laughs> and I was like, "Can I be careful how you answer this?" And, uh, and and you were like, "Well, we're trying to figure out all the masks on Majora's Mask." And I was like. Goron mask, Zora mask, Deku mask, blah, 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 also, you know, helping him get all 64. And then that really kind of made us connect a little bit. And then uh, I think at the cafeteria, we just like sit by each other and, and talk about animation and movies and stuff, which probably wasn't the most appropriate topics at a missionary training center. But um, I, I personally say that Disney quotes are for everything. Yes, it's true. And that, and that also, we, um, we, we started like a two year uh, Disney quotathon. It was so awesome. There in Provo, and in, while we were both missionaries in different fields, um, I was in Argentina. She was in Texas. We would write each other, and we would have this ongoing quote battle where we would write down quotes on paper, and then the other person would send it back with their answers. Yeah. And then the, the next letter that they got got their score, <laughs> and you know we always had to keep score. And um, yeah, so that's that's how we kind of got to know each other, and then. Um, I'll chime in on this part. So, like, three years later, um, before Morgan got home from her mission, I left to go on my mission. 
And then as I'm coming home, Morgan's like, hey, we're going to do a podcast. Like, what? Uh, Okay, sure, whatever. And I got this guy. And he's really cool because we need we need another guy. It can't just be girls. It's got to be balanced. So like, sure. okay, sure, sounds good. And then it was just on the episode of Beauty and the Beast that we all kind of like met each other. Like, all right, I don't know who this guy Mason is, but <laughs> hi, I'm Ch- hi, I'm Chelsea. Hi, I'm Mason. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> exactly. I was like, and we're gonna make this work. <laughs> you two will be friends. <laughs> so yeah, that was. You guys, that was the whole story. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. You know, we really ought to have like a reunion or something. Like, I really wish I could, I had more access to like Arizona so I could. It wouldn't uh, be a reunion. It would so just be a, it would just be a, a union. union. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we really ought to. Well, you know, um, maybe the next time I'm in California, I'll find a way to go to Disneyland. It's true. Yeah. Hang out there. We could record the whole. We could wear helmet cams and wear microphones oh. and just commentate the whole the Ghost whole time. Take on Disney. <laughs> oh, like, okay, so fun. now we're in yeah. line for Space Mountain. We've got about fifty minutes, so we're gonna record Space an episode. Mountain okay, there aren't really that many Space Mountain quotes, but still, <laughs> any space-related Disney quotes? Go. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll all get together and have like a no, thing. It'll happen. Yeah. Okay. So to answer. Um, Joshua's question about like websites where you can go. I was thinking about this and there's actually a really good kind of Disney ish website. It's called dvdizzy.com D V D I Z Z Y. And they have a really good forum where um, they just have like a Disney forum and an animation forum and you can just go and there are people who are on there are pretty active. And so that's a way you can find people who have similar interest in animation. I mean, you're on Twitter, so I'm sure you know that there are some really good Twitter Uh, conversations that can be had. So there's some pretty hardcore fans on there who are very impressive um, and have great points. So, I mean, like we said, William Jardine from A113 Animation. I mean, some of the the animation news sites aren't really communities per se, where you can go and talk about it. We would love ours to get a forum soon one day so we can kind of like have that community too. Um, But that's like the main one when I think of like where to go for animation community, like just because they seem to have pretty good discussions. Mm-hmm. So that's just what I'd recommend. And then there's some Facebook groups you could join um, of interest. So I don't know. I'll do more research and get back to you. So Essa Rosenfeld sent us a lovely letter, and it reads like this. Hi, Rotoscopers. Hope you're enjoying spring. It's rain and snow here on the East Coast. Oh, so she's in the East Coast. So it's like, uh, instead of hi, Rotoscopers, she'd be like, yo, Rotoscopas. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> while I've been studying, uh, while, I've been, while I've been listening to your podcast at work, uh, everyone must want to know what makes me start giggling while I'm fixing spreadsheets. <laughs> but as long as I get the job done, they don't seem to mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're busy and have a bucket list of more animated films to review on the podcast, but I couldn't resist adding in a request for Rise of the Guardians now that it is on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, just to clarify things. We're not like super busy, like we have no time to, we have no time to entertain our fans. <laughs> Um, she continues, I know you wrote a review and commented on the art of the film book, but figured it couldn't hurt to ask. The William Joyce books won me over before I saw the film, and while watching it, the lavish details on the animation uh, won me over as much as the original designs on the characters and the timeless adaptations. I could make an entire essay about what I love about the film, or how dismayed some of us were to see how it fizzled at the box office, hoping DVD sales uh, pick things up. But let's just say that at least uh, I know Tumblr is full of Jack Frost cosplayers and the amount of fan fiction is increasing every day. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> so there's no lacking in the fan base. Looking forward to more more info, fun, and adventures from the Rotoscopers. Have a great day, Esther Rosenfeld. 
Well, thanks. Okay, I have a really funny story to add like right now. So as we got started doing the podcast, my door is like slightly ajar and I'm looking out and Marissa walks by and then she sees that we're in here doing this and she leaves and then she comes back and she has the DVD cover of the rise of the guardians. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you're going to do this one. You should do this one (laughs) because a few days ago she like got it and she was like, Chelsea, you should do this for your podcast. <laughs> I'm like, we could do this. We now have two requests for Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> oh, I thought it was great. We might have to hold off on Rise of the Guardians for the next major holiday that they cover. Yeah. Which is Tooth Fairy Christmas. <laughs> well, thanks, Esther. Yeah. <laughs> So that's our show for today. Thanks, everybody, for joining. It's been a pleasure. since It's been a while since we've gotten together and talked. But um, as usual, you can find us on the website, therotoscopers.com. You can find Chelsea and I on Twitter. And if you haven't, please leave us a review on iTunes, because that's one way that we can, you know, get seen by iTunes and promoted on iTunes so more people can find the amazing goodness and happy, happy joy, joy of the Rotoscopers. <laughs> happy joy, joy. Happy joy, joy. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so go just it takes like really 30 seconds to go. You click uh, however many stars you want to give us and just leave us a quick little review saying what you like about the show. Yeah, you just stick with the standard five stars. Yeah, I'm not saying give us five stars. (laughs) Chelsea is. I mean, I haven't even left a review on the site because I think it's really tacky to leave your own reviews. But I really want to. And I'll just be like full disclosure, like, hey, I'm the one of the hosts of this show, and I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> so um, put your own so that way, episode. I don't have to go and put a review on there. If you could, we'd really appreciate it. And don't forget to use our affiliate links. Um, they're on the website. You can go to therotoscopers.com slash Amazon to shop at Amazon for all your amazing shopping needs. Uh, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash Audible to get your free trial of an audiobook. And also therotoscopers.com slash Netflix for your free one-month trial. So any of those things, if they wet your whistle, then it helps support the show. So yeah. thanks a lot. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mentioned it on the on the Facebook page, but uh, Netflix just re- has released on instant, uh, watch instantly, a lot of these um, Cartoon Network shows. Ooh, yeah. You know, everything from stuff that was on Adult Swim to like older stuff, you know, like Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Lab. Um, Is Venture Brothers on there? Yes, Venture Brothers on there, um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, um, Squidbillies, one of my personal favorites. So yeah, um, dig it. Um, like the frog on smacks. No, he says dig them. That's, that's what he says. <laughs> the frog on smacks. <laughs> I love smacks. They're so good. We should do a uh, episode on breakfast cereal mascots. Yay! Yes, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> Yay! Um, Where are they or- now? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, that's our next one. But yeah, that's, that's our a, next nerdy couch discussion. That's a great nerdy couch oh, discussion. Crap. I'm playing with a Lego guy and he just fell into my pineapple juice. Uh, <laughs> that's like my headphone when it fell into my I have to like wash him off or lick the pineapple juice off. Cool. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, what are we doing? Yeah, we're, at, we're finishing up, right? Yeah. So we want to thank everyone for listening. You guys are great. Where would we be without our listeners? Just people talking about animation yeah, to we- ourselves. <laughs> We want to thank you guys for listening and for all your support. And yeah, until next time, we, we are, are the, the Rotoscopers. Grumbling in your tummy.
You heard that? I did. <laughs> Even through my giant headphones. You have a Tumblr? Did you sign up for one? No. I should start doing Rotoscopers fan art. I think we're famous famous enough. <laughs> we, should, we should open up a fan fiction section. Of <laughs> Involving us? No. Oh. Yes, we should. <laughs> Rotoscopers fan fiction. I'm just kidding, we won't. Rotoscope. But... Imagine someday we'll get so famous that people will do like My Little Pony uh, lookalikes of us. <laughs> if you go on deviantart.com and put in your name, you can find you, you can find a character, a Sonic the Hedgehog fan art character that has your name. Really? Yeah, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason are easy. Nice. Huh. It's like a game you can play on the internet. You know, like Wikipedia. If you click six, if you you can get from one topic to another, no matter how different they are, in like six clicks on Wikipedia. You give, yeah, you're like mirror and you know Elizabeth Flarsky, and you have to see who can get there in the least amount of clicks. Yeah, it's a fun game. <laughs> it's a fun game. It is it's fun. <laughs>